The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. Mark Lawrenson and Tony Cascarino join us for the last Premier League discussion we will have for at least a month because, of course, the season comes to a break with lots of players heading off to the World Cup next week. Mark, I wonder how many of the players who have been selected in squads will perhaps not want to give their all tomorrow, (laughs) might be trying to protect themselves against possible injury. How dare you? How dare you possibly say that? Staying on on yourself. Um, Quite a few, I would think. Because I think it's human nature that if, you know, you see a 50-50 regularly, you just go in, you don't think anything about it and try and win the ball, obviously. But I think if there's many of those tomorrow, I think one or two of the ones who are going to the World Cup will think twice and maybe, maybe not even get there, which would be quite clever. But you can guarantee, Matt, that a, a big name player, if not more than one or two, will probably get injured at the weekend and not make the World Cup. That's the way of the world, I'm afraid. Antonio Strice, it's not just going in for 50-50 collisions. You know, will guys sort of like stop maybe instead of going for the full sprint in case they pop a hamstring or something, maybe not be ro- operating a full throttle? Well, Matt, it depends on the scenario as well. If a team's 3-0 down you know, and are completely out of the game and there's 20 minutes left, you're not going to get a player who's on World Cup duty going to go and, you know, put himself at risk. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, there are certain players, Matt, and I'll probably tick this bracket, of where I had to play the game a certain way, where it was all about my physical presence, I'd tack things, and I had to be foot down. Now, Mark Lawrenson playing at the back and casually passing it out, as he did as a centre-half, didn't get in too much trouble. But um, I had to play a game a certain way, Matt. The problem is, is the timing. You know, years gone by, World Cup's in the summer, we get a decent three-week break before a tournament starts. So even if you've got a knock or a slight injury, you could probably recover and play the tournament. The difference is, Matt, is quite obvious, is there's no time to get back and turn your, you know, your injury around and get back on the field. There will be players, Matt, that won't be full, you know, foot to the pedal. There definitely will be that this weekend. OK, well, Tony, do you reckon Arsenal go in leading the league? They're away at Wolves tomorrow evening. A Wolves team with a seriously good new manager. So would you expect Arsenal perhaps to struggle against the new manager bounce? Um, well, they've shown that. And they won there last year, by the way. And they played a really dogged game uh, in their match at Molyneux last year, Matt. And it's, I think it's a good game for them because... Wolves can't buy a goal for love nor money, Matt. I mean, I know they beat your Leeds in, in the Cup this week. and uh, well, That was a reserve fixture in the League Cup, effectively. Yeah, it was a reserve. You're right, Matt. But generally, they're, they're not a free-scoring team. Arsenal will get a goal or, or two, and one is probably enough to beat Wolves at the moment. So I think it's a really good fixture for Mikel Arteta. There was a big thing, Matt, of leading the Premier League going into a World Cup where you've got, what, nearly a five-week period... Uh, before the tournament, you know, before uh, Premier League football comes back, it's um, it's a oh, what a you know fantastic opportunity for Arsenal to go into Boxing Day fixtures, Matt, and be in top of the league. I think that that's something that certainly Mikel Arteta will be thinking about and his team. He'll want to get one more performance from them before they break up. And Matt, as, yes, Mark. Is that I don't think the manager's in charge until after, is he? Oh, we see. I thought he had turned up the, this week, the end of the week. 
Oh, no, I, I thought I'd read yesterday that he, he wasn't going to be in charge until after, after these games, and then I was going to take a long look at what he's what he's got, what he needs, etc. But um, he needs scoring forwards. It's quite obvious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like a blind man on a horse, and it yeah, absolutely, totally is. Um, thing is, where, where do you get them from? And they spent a lot of money, didn't they, in the summer as well, Wolves? So it's a fair old job for Lopetegui, certainly. Actually, that's an interesting point. Tony, I'll take it up with you that, you know, where do you get scoring forwards from? Well, people will be watching the World Cup with a lot of interest, but would you find players out of the World Cup or if somebody does well, does their price become too inflated? Could it be that somebody would do well in the World Cup, but maybe they got such a lift out of that, that moving club into the Premier League could actually be something that would bring them down? They mightn't achieve the heights of the World Cup. Careful, Matt. Um, spending lots of money. Everton done it with Rodriguez that went there for a lot of money, went to Real Madrid. You know, I think Juve as well for Senegal when El Juve went after a World Cup and he scored against France. And, you know, you've got to be careful, Matt, of overpaying for someone who plays well in a short tournament. I don't think recruitment's about that these days. I think, you know, there's a lot of time to spend looking at players, look at their numbers. They're not really, Matt. It's a pretty crazy idea just to go off the back of a World Cup. Hold on. You... Panic buys. You're having Wolves already done it with Diego Costa bringing him out of semi-retirement. Yeah, Matt, and, and you're right. It's a, it is a panic idea attitude because, you know, it might be flavour of the month of a guy who goes and has a great World Cup, but you've got to have a backstory to, to their careers at club level because, you know, Diego Costa is one that, we all went, well, you know, what do we think is going to happen? This was a guy that refused to come back to Chelsea when he was a player there. He wanted to stay in Brazil and said, I'm not going to come back until I go to Madrid. And, you know, OK, that's him. But generally, Matt, I don't think it's a good idea for clubs to look at players in World Cups. And if they go well in a tournament, then go suddenly, you know, the rate goes up. How much are you going to pay them in salary? The transfer? No, Matt, I don't think clubs were like that these days. Mark, actually, haven't spoken about players maybe not giving their all in tomorrow's games for fear that they get injured ahead of the World Cup. There might be one or two who will want to play tomorrow and make a big impression to try and get on to the starting team for their country. For example, maybe somebody like Jack Grealish of Manchester City, who was very good against Chelsea the other night, but might want to show himself able to do it for another game tomorrow to suggest to Gareth Southgate, look, pick me, I'm in form. Yeah, well, that, that's the whole thing. And if you look at the amount of uh, midfield midfield players that England have and, and attacking players, certainly in wide areas, like Grealish and Foden and those kind of guys, 100% Matt. But, you know, I think certainly the, 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 the players with, with the big teams as well, they, they have a better chance of doing so if you think about it, because generally all the top teams have more ball than the opposition that they play against. So you've got a chance then really to show somebody that, you know, you, you are that good, you can be picked for the first game. Okay, so we'll take Manchester City, should beat Brentford. The watch that's really interesting, Mark, I think, from seeing where Newcastle are playing Chelsea at home, because Chelsea, having started so well under Graham Potter, now seem to be wobbling quite a bit. This, I suppose, is the the battle of the two main English managers as well, isn't it, in the Premier League? It is, it is indeed. Now, Graham Potter, did he did he win the first nine games? Am I right in thinking? Something like that, and he's only won probably two in... In the last seven, and um, but what's been worrying Matt is is not just the results, but the way that he set his teams up. He set his team up against uh, uh, Brighton away, his former club, and played with three at the back. And but no, not even wing backs, which is really really strange. And Brighton completely took them apart. I thought Arsenal did a job 
on them as well last weekend. I mean, in all honesty, Chelsea never really uh, lifted a glove against them. And just at the moment, we're all sort of thinking, oh, when he first came, absolutely great. And everyone's playing for him and all those kind of things. And at the moment, you're kind of thinking, wow, what's going to happen next with this team? Okay, what do you think? Is he heading for a crisis, Tony? Um, It's been a bit strange, Matt. The performances, the system and the personnel, you know, they've really found it hard, even though they've lost, you know, two big centre-forwards last summer. um, They're not good in that area. Raheem Sterling's playing probably the poorest period of his career in recent weeks. You know, it's been a strange one, Matt. Watching them, the, the boy Hall, the young lad, I think it's Lewis Hall, who played for Chelsea, done really well, the 18-year-old in midweek, but that was a, you know, obviously a cup competition. Chelsea have not looked good. In the, I think they've lost four out of the last five, Matt. You know, so it's, it's not been good. Initially, it was a good start. They had a draw against Salzburg. Then they won five in the win, uh, on the spin uh, with Graham Potter. I don't think it's a convincing squad at all. I think there's a lot of mismatching there, Matt. A lot of good players, but they don't generally fit very well. And there is a lot of things that I think Graham Potter's going to find challenging over the next few months, Matt, certainly when he gets back from Christmas period and onwards, because Chelsea are not in good shape, Matt, and they've seriously you know, got a, a fight on their hands to get in the top four. Matt. Yes, Mark. The other thing is, why would you play Raheem Sterling as a wing-back? He, he, he doesn't defend. He's never defended. He didn't have to defend even with Manchester City. Why, why would you play him in there? Because if you're the opposition, your first thing you do is, all right, go and play a wide player against him. And if you get loads of the ball, just go and t- t- take him on. And defensively, positioning, he wouldn't have a clue. OK, Mark, I spoke to, uh, sorry, Tony, I spoke to Mark the other night about the potential for Liverpool being sold. Mark thinks that it might only be a minority shareholding that FSG and John Henry will keep control. After doing a lot of reading about this over the week, I'm not so sure. But what do you think is that going to do, do you think, for Jurgen Klopp's security at Liverpool? He'd signed a two-year extension, bringing him up to 2026 from 2024. But his relationship is so good with FSG. Would you be fearful that under a new owner, Klopp might decide to go elsewhere? Um, no, Matt. I think his loyalty to Liverpool is pretty clear. I mean, look, whoever buys Liverpool... I think what's happened in the game, Matt, most people were absolutely shocked by the price that Chelsea went for. Now, it was a lot of money, and the club's been hugely successful, but that has immediately put up the prices of all the other clubs, especially the top-end clubs, where they're looking and thinking, well, this club's worth £3 billion. No, Liverpool would not have been near £3 billion before the, the Chelsea takeover, Matt. So they're thinking the minimum of that. And I, I don't think Klopp's going to have an issue, Matt. I think anybody who would come in would be foolish to, to say, right, well, is he our man? Could we do a change? Uh, and, and he might call it, but I think he's, he's exactly what Liverpool are about. And, you know, when investment comes in, most times, Matt, they're really willing to back, you know, like Tom Bowley did with Chelsea, put a lot of money in, and the transfers ain't worked, but they still put a lot of money into the football club. So if you're going to spend them sort of sums of money you can guarantee there's more investment for the football team. So I don't think... And Klopp has spoke openly over the last couple of years about, you know, we can't really compete with City and even Newcastle and probably Manchester United in transfers. So he might find himself in a better position if it was taken over, Matt, or in serious investment coming into the club. He runs a club, Matt. Sorry, Tad? He completely runs the football side of the club, Jurgen Klopp. They leave him alone. There's a... 
guy called Billy Hogan, who's a chief executive officer, who's based obviously at the ground and lives in the country. Um, but 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 Billy just really doesn't have that much to do with Klopp in terms of the football side. It's all what Klopp wants, if possible, obviously in terms of players, etc. But all the decisions that are made about football are all made are all made by the manager. I wonder what new owner allow for that. Uh, Tottenham have lost three of their last five league games. They should on form beat Leeds tomorrow even though Leeds have uh, won their last two uh, that's assuming of course that Tottenham play Harry Kane who definitely deserves a rest before the World, mm. World Cup um, what's going on with Tottenham do you think Mark? Well the, the games I've seen them lately they don't start playing until the last 20 minutes it, and then in the last 20 minutes they start to look like a really really good team you know go, going after people putting people under pressure you know getting the ball up to, to uh the likes, well, obviously not Son because he's injured at the moment, but Kane, etc. And and they look a proper team, but for some reason, the manager Conti's a little bit sit back, sit back, sit back, don't concede, don't concede. And of course, once they concede, you've got to completely change your tactics. And they're another one you, you're looking at Conti, and nothing's ever his fault. It's like you know, oh, well, you know, even the stuff about VAR the other week. It's, oh, well, you know, obviously the chief executive needs to have a look at it. You need to do this and you need to do that. He worries me a little bit. Because he's just the kind of guy, and we've seen it many, many times before, both in his native Italy and also when he was at uh, at Chelsea, who, if he doesn't particularly like it, he just walks away. And at the moment, you look at Tottenham, and they should be doing far, far better than they are. Yes, they're still quite high up the league, but with the players that they've got, but he just doesn't seem to want to, you know, take the handbrake off. It's all, no, wait, sit, wait, sit. I mean, Liverpool took them apart, to be honest with you, the weekend. Yeah, maybe waiting and sitting against Leeds is the way to do it, although Leeds do seem to perform much better against the top six teams under Jesse Marsh. Last one I want to ask you about, Tony, is Manchester United took a bit of a thumping at Villa last week. Fulham on Sunday isn't necessarily going to be easy, is it? No, Matt, Fulham are a good side. They've got a lot of good players. They they feel like they belong in the Premier League. They have a real go at teams. Two full-backs are both really good. The lad Robertson, who had Mo Salah in his pocket in the opening game of the season, even though Mo scored late on. Um, I mean, Matt, they were in trouble in midweek in, against Villa. They didn't play well. And the defeat at Aston Villa, like you touched on, it's, it's really weird. It feels like it, they're not really moving forward, Manchester United. You can see that there is an idea that he's trying to introduce different things into the team. And it's slow. It's a real slow burner. Um, but there's lots of concerns, Matt. I mean... Ganacho has come in, the young lad, and looked really lively. Rashford's had a good season. But then you say Sancho's not nowhere to be seen. You know, a £70 million player. I watched Donny van der Beek in midweek. He'd given an opportunity, Matt. He looked like he couldn't run. You know, he's coming to midfield. And uh, unless they get Casemiro and Eriksen in there, that now looks like a midfield to me. But United are a really tough call because what I said at the very start, Matt, the way they played in midweek against Villa, they weren't good. You know, big mistake by the Villa goalkeeper enabled United to end up winning that game. So um, I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of tests out there, Matt. And Fulham away is going to be one of them this weekend. Thank you very much, Tony Cascarino and Mark Lawrenson. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-